It is great to see you this morning. We welcome those in the chapel. Thank you for worshiping with us and making this possible. You know, it's, um, uh, when we moved in this place about eight years ago, this was an enormous building, an enormous sanctuary. Everything was enormous. And now it feels like a classroom. Uh, you know, we have, it just, uh, we've done this three times a day. And this isn't the most people we've had in this room yet today. This is, we've, we've had big crowds all day. And we thank God for that. But by the grace of God, we're developing our land to continue to expand our ministry. It's just down the road about a half a mile. And we're excited about we're excited about the ministry. We're not so much excited. We're not as excited about the building, although we are. There are days I think about having my own bathroom in my office. I get real excited, to be honest with you. <laughs> but we're most excited about the work that God is doing at, in people's lives here at Eastlake. And we thank you for joining us this morning. And again, I, I welcome you, whether you're here for the first time or for um, been here a long time. Uh, I, kind of a cool thing. I uh, invited a friend who's a good friend, uh, not a churchgoer, and a, a really good friend. And um, he texted me this week. He said, if I come to your church, and he's made the famous statement, the ceiling truly will fall in. And I said, I checked with the engineers, and they said it's in good shape. And I checked with our insurance guy, and he said, if it falls in, we get a new building. Would you please come? (laughs) And uh, this morning, he sent me a text, and he said, hey, preacher, this is his text. Hey, preacher, man, shore up the steeple. I'm on my way. And he was here at 8 o'clock, and what a blessing it was to have him in the service for the first time. I don't, know, I don't even know when. I want you to look with me at Luke chapter 24. We're going to read a few verses there. And I want to, I want to preface it by, by saying this. What we're about to read, either you believe it with all your heart, and it changes you, or you don't believe it. And so, not to be dramatic, but in a way, that sort of decides all of us, whether we're in the chapel or here, whatever. We're all in one of two places. Either we believe this, or we don't believe it, and and we're going to talk about that this morning. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus, While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Or as my three-year-old grandson said this morning in the car when his mom said what happened on Easter, and he was telling her the story, and he said, the women went to the tomb, and the angel said, what are you doing here? This is for dead people. Verse 6, he is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered under the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered Jesus' words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. And so this morning, thank you for coming. You're dismissed. April Fools. Got you, didn't I? April Fools? 
and Easter on the same day? You know, I was, as, I, as I realized that, that's sort of a preacher's dream if you're looking for an introduction, right? April Fool, and I thought, well, that must be one of those every seven years. You know, it hasn't been April Fool's and Easter on the same day since 1956. Only four times since 1900, and if you have about an hour after the service, you can meet with me in my office, and I'll share with you how the vernal equinox and the 11-year cycle works. No, I won't, because I don't have a clue. I just read that. But anyways, (laughs) something about an 11-year cycle and the vernal equinox makes Easter and April Fool's one time, since uh, four times, other than today, since the year 1900. 1900, 1923, 1934, and 1956. It's going to happen again in 2029. So if you come back, I'll use the same introduction. <laughs> Easter and April Fool's. You know, uh, there's some great April Fool's jokes, aren't there? My son is in Thailand, and uh, he... I saw him this morning. He made a post on Twitter and he said, the people I'm staying with have never heard of April Fool's. This is going to be a great day. (laughs) It seems the British have sort of a, they they really were in on April Fool's and they were big on that. And in 1957, the BBC reported that Swiss farmers were experiencing, and they have a video, you can watch this online, it's a news show, a, a news report about three minutes long that shows Uh, that the Swiss farmers were experiencing a record spaghetti crop. And they showed footage of people harvesting noodles from trees. (laughs) Numerous viewers were fooled. It's considered to be the greatest April Fool's joke of all time. I remember this as a a kid because I was riding with my dad. Not that. I wasn't a kid in 1957. But anyways, uh, I was minus 15, if you want to know. But anyways, uh, in 1985, I remember riding with my dad in the car... Uh, up the interstate, and we were listening to a sports talk radio show, and there was a discussion, and the sports talk radio host was having a conversation with somebody who called, who was irate over the Sports Illustrated cover story for that day, which was, or that week, which was April Fool's, and the story was about a man that just showed up randomly out of nowhere, he was a yoga expert, he was into music, and he showed up at the Mets spring training and could throw the ball 168 miles an hour. And this guy on the phone was, was telling the, 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 uh, the sports talk host, this is crazy, I'm a baseball expert, no human arm can throw the ball 160. And the guy kept saying, if you'll look at the article, the first letter of the, every word in the first paragraph, and he was trying to tell him, they spelled out, happy April fools. But it actually was a, the cover of Sports Illustrated in 1985. Finally, the guy caught on and was like, oh, okay, thanks. But anyways, in 1996, Taco Bell... The fast food restaurant chain bought full-page ads in six major U.S. newspapers and announced it had agreed to purchase the Philadelphia Liberty Bell and intended to rename it the Taco Liberty Bell. <laughs> As an April Fool's joke. They said that the uh, Park Service got enormous, enormous feedback negative on that. And in 1998, after Burger King advertised a left-handed Whopper Scores of clueless customers actually went into the store and ordered the left-handed Whopper. Now you know why this is a preacher's dream. 
Actually, I think it's appropriate. I've seen some scoffers online in recent days saying, yeah, this is really appropriate. You know, this, this great hoax, the resurrection should be on April. But actually, I think it's perfect because the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is either the greatest event in human history or it is the most fantastic hoax ever perpetrated on mankind. And I'm so glad God gave us the opportunity on Easter Sunday morning to talk about it. This morning, I want to, I want to, I want to say, I said a moment ago when we read that, that when we read the story that Jesus was buried, they showed up, he wasn't there, and then he was alive, you either believe that or you don't. And that's not a statement other than just facts. We either believe that statement or we don't. I asked uh, last week, what if Jesus had never been crucified? I want to follow up with, what if, what if Jesus had not resurrected from the dead and and actually I want to say it like this because as a believer as a believer there are some enormous ramifications if Jesus did not come out of the grave there were ramifications for all of us but particularly in Paul's case in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 he gives us a list of the things that the ramifications for believers and for preachers that if Jesus did not literally physically actually die and be buried and then literally physically actually come back to life and come out of this isn't a myth this isn't some fantastic legend that's been passed down it's not something that's sort of accumulated like a snowball and now it's created this whole religion it, no the, the claim is that Jesus he didn't faint on the cross and they put him in there and then they put him some smelling sauce and he come back. no the deal is he actually literally physically dead And he came back to life. And the ramifications, if that's not the case, for the believer uh, are enormous. Paul gives us a list of those in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And and here's the list. He said if, if Jesus did not actually come back to life, if Jesus did not die, literally die, fully die, and come back to life, then our preaching has no foundation. And so those who take the Bible and water it down and say it doesn't really mean what it says and, and, and Jesus actually, you know, whatever, they explain that. I want to tell you something. They might as well go fishing because they're wasting their time. If Jesus did not literally raise from the dead, I might as well shut down and go fishing because Paul says our preaching has zero foundation. We're just another religion talking about nice platitudes. This is the single single most essential reality to our faith, and that is that Jesus rose from the dead. Our faith has no foundation. Paul says if if Jesus did not come back to life after being dead, then we are liars. He said we're going around preaching, telling everybody, hey, Jesus rose from the dead, and if he didn't, we're liars. He said our faith is worthless. We are still in our sins. We have, we have, uh, we have those who have died in Christ are really dead and will never live again. And Paul says that if Jesus did not come back to life, then all of us as Christians should just be pitied. People should look at us and say, man, poor people. Yeah, bless their heart. They're just going every Sunday morning. I mean, good night. If he didn't come back from the dead, we've been here since 7 o'clock this morning. It's the third service. It's a lot of energy just to be messing around, right? And we should be pitied. But I, I want to I I switch categories for a minute. We're either believers or non-believers. If you're a non-believer, I want to ask the question this way. 
What if he did? What if he actually bodily rose from the dead? That's a big deal. The ramifications, if he did not, are enormous for the believer and for everyone, but particularly the believer who's given their life to it. But the ramifications for the non-believer are enormous if Jesus actually came out of the grave. I want you to consider that with me for a moment. Unbelief of an unbelievable claim is normal unless the unbelievable actually happened. What if Jesus really did come back to life? What does it mean to the skeptic, to the unbeliever? Did you know there's compelling evidence that Jesus actually came back to life after he was dead? I don't want to take an apologetic side here this morning, but I just want to mention uh, there's, there's real strong evidence. One, one scholar said it this way. He said, I claim to be an historian. My approach to classics is historical. And I tell you that the evidence for the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is better authenticated than most of the facts of ancient history. There was an empty tomb. That's a fact. That's not the Jews. I mean, that's not the Christians who follow Jesus claiming that. The secular Jews who hated Jesus, it's in their history. They wrote it that the tomb was empty. The powerful pagan Romans wrote it in their history. That whatever, it doesn't mean he was alive, but the fact that when they got there on Sunday, that tomb was empty is is undisputed. And all the Romans and the Jews would have had to have done to squelch this little group of people that were all up in arms because, woohoo, we saw a dead man talking. And all of a sudden, everybody's getting all motivated about it. All the, all the leaders, the Roman leaders and the Jewish leaders, all they would have had to do was go find the body, torture somebody till they gave them the body. All they'd had to do is produce the body, and Christianity would have been snuffed out like that. They, the tomb was empty. Jesus appeared to people over the span of about 40 days. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he appeared to us, or to those, and then to others, and then to about 500. He ate with them. It wasn't a spirit. He, he, he actually ate with them. He, he talked with them. He interacted with them. He, 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 he counseled them, and then he ascended right in front of them. And Paul said, the Apostle Paul, who was not a follower of Jesus while Jesus was on earth, Paul said, I myself saw him alive on the road to Damascus. Now, if I die today, it's a great subject on an Easter Sunday morning, isn't it? See the beautiful lilies? You could just use those for my funeral, I reckon. <laughs> now that I think about it, that kind of looks like a casket. But anyways, uh, it's beautiful. It's just sort of in the funky shape. But anyways, uh, if I died today, and this was my viewing, and I were here laying in the casket, you guys would all, and different parts of the country do different things. I've pastored in three regions, and funerals are different. Did you know that? In Indiana, the way they do funerals, and this is where I grew up, if we'd have the funeral, the casket would be open because I want to be there. Um, and uh, at the close of the service, the funeral director starts at the back, and he, he ushers every row by the casket at the end of the service. Now, in Virginia, we close the casket, right? And then that's, that's the way we do it, and we usher out. In, in Indiana, everybody files by the casket one last time, and when everybody's out, the family sitting here comes why am I talking about this? But anyways, uh, so if I died today and I was laying up here and uh, you filed by my casket and you said nice things to my wife and then on 
Wednesday, I bumped into you at Kroger. You're, I know what you're going to do. You're going to run straight to the pharmacy and say, check my blood pressure, something's weird. Jesus literally appeared to these folks. And, the, and his appearance was so real and so dramatic and so compelling and so undisputed that they all eventually gave their life for the reality that they had actually seen him alive after he was dead. And who dies for a lie? If Peter and James would have said, you know what? It's about two in the morning. Those Roman soldiers are asleep. Let's go move that tomb. Let's drag his body out of there. Let's go bury it in the back of grandma's yard. And nobody will ever know. We'll tell him he rose from the dead. That might have worked for a while. But as soon as they got Peter in jail, and as soon as they started beating on Peter, and as soon as they just said that we're going to kill you, Peter, somewhere one of those disciples would have said, Damn out! I got a story to tell, right? Because no one dies for a lie. But these guys and these women saw him and they were, they were compelled. And so there's em, em, enormous evidence. They saw him. They were transformed. There's his impact on history. There's the experience of billions of people that Christ has touched. N.T. Wright says this. He says that Christians of the first century answered the question of why are you a Christian with a straightforward answer. And N.T. Wright said in the first century when Jesus after Jesus had died, when they were asked, why are you a Christian? This was their answer. It wasn't because, because I believe the Bible and I go to church and my mom was a Baptist. That's not what they answered. You know what their answer was? This is a great scholar. He says, this was their answer, because Jesus was raised from the dead. That's why I'm a Christian. So this morning, I said earlier, I've said a couple times, we're believers or unbelievers, I'm, I'm going to hurry to a close by saying, if you're an unbeliever, I want to give you a couple reasons why the resurrection really, really, really matters to you. Let me begin. The resurrection really matters because it means that Jesus is totally trustworthy. I don't know what your view of Jesus is. He's a good man. He's a nice guy. Or he was a myth, which you'd have to be, you'd have to be completely uh, detached from reality to believe that Jesus was a myth. There's more evidence that Jesus actually walked on this earth than Abraham Lincoln walked on this earth. Jesus actually walked on this earth. And you might think, well, he's a nice guy. He was a good prophet, whatever, whatever. But, but here's the deal. If he actually came back to life after he was dead, then his words are to be considered valuable and trustworthy. You see, from the moment Jesus began his ministry, you go all the way back to John chapter 2. And in John chapter 2, Jesus is talking. And this is what Jesus said about himself. He said, you know what? You tear down this temple, and in three days, I'm going to build it back up again. And they didn't know what he said. What? He's talking about Solomon's temple. He, no, Jesus was telling them in the very early moments of his ministry, you're going to kill me, and I'm going to be raised to life again. In another place in Matthew chapter 12, they said, you know what, we think you're the, you think you're the son of God, give us a sign, show us a sign. Jesus said, I'll show you no sign because a wicked and an adulterous generation seeks after a sign, but I'll give you this, I'm going to give you the sign of Jonah. And the sign of Jonah is, just as Jonah was in the belly of that fish for three days, so the son of man will be placed in the earth for three days and he will come back to life. In 2010, they researched, they, they were doing some archaeological digs 
uh, in Jerusalem and they found this grave that was dated between 20 B.C. and 70 A.D. And they were wanting to search it. It was under some condominiums in Jerusalem. And the architect, or uh, the... archaeological society, historical society in in Israel would only let them go through with a probe. And they went in and found these seven graves. And these people were obviously Christians. And there were things in there about Jehovah has come to life. And all of this stuff that was inscribed. But one of the things, they have these cameras that went through. And they, they they showed the picture. Someone had drawn a picture of a fish. And out of the mouth of the fish was coming a human being. And it was a reference from Jesus saying, just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days, so the Son of Man will be in the earth and he will come to life. There was evidence all around these Christian graves that they believed that for sure that Jesus had come back to life and that they too would come back to life. You see, if Jesus said, I'm going to come back to life, and he actually did, then you can take to the bank what he says. This wasn't a get lucky, called it kind of moment. My son is here this morning, uh, uh, and we have this sort of this uh, we sort of have this uh, thing with my sons and two sons and, and other guys now who also mock my join my sons in mocking me. Uh, but anyways, the thing is, we watch sports, right, Trev? And, and and we have this phrase. It's called it. And dad calls it. You know, I'm, I'm a genius, man. I can call a fake punt. I can call a long bomb. I mean, now I call it every time, and about every five years it happens. You know, every time they punt, fake punt, I can see it, the way he's lined up, it's going to be a fake punt, you don't fake punt, but about three years later, they fake punt it, I go, called it! And my boys have this sort of this general response of, Dad, come on, you've been saying that every time they punt for the last five years. Jesus wasn't getting lucky, Jesus claimed to do, he claimed that he was going to do something that is humanly impossible. I'm going to die, they're going to bury me, and I'm going to come back to life. Here's the deal, if you're not a believer... If he did, then everything Jesus says is true. And everything he says about your life is true. And everything he says about your sin is true. And everything he says about heaven is true. And everything he says about hell is true. And everything he says about eternity is true. And everything he says about forgiveness and salvation is true. And everything he says about your death in this world is true. And everything he says about after your death is true. Because if Jesus literally came back to life, he is trustworthy. And I'm going to say something. And you go out of here and misquote me. And I will pray the Lord will get you. It's the nicest thing I could think of. If, if Jesus did not literally bodily resurrect from the grave, Jesus Christ is a farce. It's either the greatest hoax, the greatest April Fool's joke ever, or it is the most significant event in all of human history. Because Jesus also said, just as the Son of Man left he is literally, physically coming back to this earth. And he is going to hold every single person who's ever lived accountable before him. And the proof of his veracity is in the fact that he actually conquered death. It really matters. The resurrection really matters not only because 
it means that Jesus is trustworthy, but it means that there is that our despair can be turned into hope. There's not a person in this room, in the chapel or online that, is, that are watching today that doesn't experience the darkness and the suffering of this life. And following Jesus' crucifixion, the disciples were utterly devastated. You know, we, we celebrate the cross because it means we're forgiven, right? But when the disciples saw the cross, they didn't celebrate, they ran. The cross to them meant our hope is gone. The cross meant our leader is dead. The cross meant all of our ambitions that we had. Well, he was going to be this great leader. Oh, he's dead. The cross was devastating to his disciples. And I don't know what happened on Friday evening and Saturday during the day. I don't have all the details about what was going on. I don't know what was going on. But what I do know was on Sunday morning, early Sunday morning, the, widow, the women were still weeping and sorrowful. And they were, Jesus was on their mind. And they packed up their ointments and their spices and their oils. And they made their way to the tomb that we read a few moments ago. And when they got to the tomb, when they got to the tomb, they weren't, they weren't going there to say, I wonder if he's up yet. That's not why they were going. They were going to perform a burial ritual on Jesus. They fully expected him to be dead. The disciples were devastated. The women were weeping and sorrowful. And and the world was really in mourning. The whole earth had turned dark. But when they got there, the angel said, what are you doing here? He's alive. And the women turned around and they ran to the disciples and we read it. They burst in and they said, Jesus is alive. And all the disciples said, great, get our hymn book. Let's sing He Lives. The disciples says, we don't believe you. You see their frame of mind? They were, they were devastated. Jesus is dead. And the women came in and said, Jesus is alive. And they said, no, he's not. And then Peter got to thinking about some of the things Jesus said, I, I'm assuming. And the scripture we read says Peter ran. Another passage tells us some others went with him. But they slipped out the back door and said, are these women telling the truth? And they ran to the tomb. And Peter found it empty. And all of a the sudden, their lives were revolutionized. Their darkness in a moment became light. You see, here's the deal. If, if Jesus is alive... It means that there's supernatural power for your trouble. It means that you can be forgiven of the sin that's on your mind right now. It means that the chains of addiction that have held you in their grasp for years can be broken. It means that your marriage can find healing. It means that your wayward child can be rescued. And it means that there is beauty beyond this life. Because if Jesus truly is alive, he has, if he can raise himself from the dead, which he said he was going to do, I have the power in John 10 to lay my life down and I have the power to take it up. And if he has that kind of power, you are facing nothing in your life that he can't bring healing and hope to. I want to tell you something. Sun rose, the sun rose on that Easter morning. Oh, what a beautiful thing. Because as the sun was rising figuratively in everyone's life who would ever live, if we'll look to Jesus, the sun can shine again in our circumstances.
I don't need to ask. It's a dumb question. Does anybody here need Jesus to bring light into your darkness? I want to tell you something. It matters whether you believe it or not. Because when the fact that Jesus rose from the dead means that he can turn our despair into hope again. Let me close with this. It matters to us this morning. Because it means that Christ can be present with you today. If he is alive, then his actual presence is available to those who put their faith in him. If we were to read, which we're not, but if we were to read beginning, we closed at verse 12. If we would read verses 13 and down, you would read about two men. One's name was Cleopas. The other one was his buddy. I guess it was Cleopas and his buddy. They were followers of Jesus. They had spent Holy Week in Jerusalem. They were all caught up in the hype of Jesus. They were excited about Jesus. They put all their ambition in Jesus, all their hope in Jesus, and Jesus had died. And on Sunday, sometime, perhaps Sunday afternoon, Cleopas and his buddy head back home. And they lived, these two guys lived seven miles from Jerusalem in a town called Emmaus. And Cleopas and his buddy were walking home on that seven mile journey. And and the imagery is that they were shuffling, discouraged, and depressed. And this was their conversation. Oh, how we had hoped that he was the one. Oh, man, he was so cool. Jesus was so cool. Jesus was awesome. Oh, we, oh, man, we, oh, we thought that was the one. We thought that was the one Isaiah had talked about. We, they were just reminiscing sorrowfully about the fact that it hadn't worked out like they thought. And while they're walking, Jesus the resurrected Jesus in a glorified body, in a bodily form, the resurrected Jesus appears and he starts walking with them. And Jesus is so cool. He goes, what are you guys talking about? Now this is the one who created them and knows everything they're thinking. And he says, what are you talking about? Oh, they said, are you out of your mind? This is a Troy Keaton unauthorized translation. Are you out of your mind? Are you telling me, you, are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard? They said to Jesus, oh, this guy was amazing. And he died. And Jesus, it says, Jesus began from Moses and the prophets. And he began to describe and to teach to them everything that was supposed to happen. And they went to go home. This is where cool Jesus appears. They went to go home. And it says Jesus appeared as though he would go on his way. He wanted them to invite him. And they said, no, no, come with us. He said, okay, I will. And he went with them, and they went home, and they began to eat. And all of a sudden, their eyes were open, and they saw him. He said, this is is Jesus. You know what those two guys did? They walked seven miles home on Sunday afternoon. They turned around and ran seven miles back to Jerusalem. Except they weren't shuffling and mumbling and grumbling going back. They were, they looked like, what's that dude's name? Usain Bolt. They were running. He just walked with us. Rushed into the disciples. And guess what? He's alive. He just walked with us. He talked with us. He taught us everything. We, no joke. And you want to know what? If you don't believe this morning, you don't need more evidence. You need an experience. 
face to face. You need to meet the resurrected Jesus face to face. And all the evidence you need will be in that single interaction. Because the transforming work of God is most powerful. Not in trying to grapple some DNA intellectual understanding of the proof of the resurrection. You just need to in in humility and in faith say dear Jesus and Christ will appear to you. And this ain't grandma. You say, what do you mean? You know, grandma dies. Oh, I just feel grandma's presence. It's just, she's so sweet. Every time I smell those pork and beans, it reminds me of grandma. No, I love grandma. I got two grandmas in heaven. I'm married to a really pretty grandma. I'm not talking about, this isn't, oh, have this nice fond. This is the literal spirit of the resurrected Jesus who was dead but is alive living in you. You don't need more evidence. You just need to see Jesus face to face. Amen. It was the experience of Jesus that changed everything for the disciples. And if you ever meet him, it'll change your life. They saw him. They walked with him. They watched him eat. They heard his voice. They received his spirit. When their leader died, they scattered. But when they saw him alive, they were, they were uh, convinced and committed to him even to the point of death. I said that earlier. Every one of these followers of Jesus paid with their life. Why? Because if you see me in Kroger's on Wednesday, you're going to know it's real. Amen? Now, if you tell somebody, they're not going to believe you. But if they see me at the golf course, they're going to know it's real. Because these disciples had experienced the person and the presence of Jesus face to face. I got a simple little question. Have you met him? Have you met him? If he is alive, if he is alive, and he is, it has enormous ramifications for your life. If you haven't met Jesus this morning, it's a real simple process. You just simply have to say, dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I hear the word of God this morning. And I believe that you died for me. And I believe that you rose again for my salvation. And I'm just going to right now in this service on Easter Sunday morning, put my faith in you, Jesus. And ask you to come into my life and forgive me of my sin. And take up residence in me. I want to know the resurrected Jesus. If you'll simply pray a simple prayer like that from your heart, you can meet him this morning face to face. Do you know him? It matters. Do you know him? Would you pray with me this morning? Dear Jesus, we're bowing before you now. And if you're here this morning and you want to pray and meet Jesus, just pray a simple prayer like this. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I confess my sin. I ask you to forgive I ask you to come into my life and know you. I want to know your presence and your power and your transformation. And I ask you to walk with me from this day forward. And Lord, I pray for every heart that cries with hunger this morning for that. And I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit. Cleanse them from their sin. And Lord, may the witness of the Holy Spirit be powerful and real in every heart that puts their trust in you this morning. We pray this today, Lord, with thanksgiving and with anticipation as to the work that you're going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, listen, we want to hear from you. We want to help you. We want to walk. We're just a bunch of Christians walking towards 
walk into heaven together. We want to, we want to help you. If you, I want to tell you something this morning. Listen, you just need to meet him. All right? Listen, he's alive. No joke. No April Fool's. No joke. He's alive.